What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Are you someone that constantly procrastinates? You feel overwhelmed and don't know where to start? You plan a long list of to-dos and they never get done? Maybe you self-sabotage on your goals or things you want to do. Do you know that I've been doing time management coaching now for about two years? Yes, sis. I have coached over 60 plus women on how to better manage your time and overcome self-sabotage and procrastination. This time I want to help you. I'm offering for a very short time one-on-one strategy calls. On these calls, we'll go over all of your needs related to time management, and I'll give you some quick tips to help you learn how to manage your time better. If you're needing that direct help, I've got you. Go to rosalindrenee.com and scroll to where it says book a call with me and go to the link in the show notes to get on my calendar. I can't wait to help you, sis. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy as a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Rosa Renee. Welcome to another episode of the show. Hi, sis. So I'm super excited because I have another interview here today and I am so pumped for y'all to hear her story because it's so, so good. So I want to introduce my sis Tahoya to you. Say, hey, girl. Hey, y'all. So Tahoya and I actually met via Instagram because, you know, most of y'all out there are like my internet sisters. I don't care if we are over Instagram. We are all sisters and we're like, I don't care. Anyway, Toya is one of those girls. And we met actually in a business program that we are both a part of, which is Jasmine Chanel. Y'all will, of course, hear about Jasmine because I'll be doing an interview with her soon. But I definitely wanted to invite Tahoya on here because she has such a great story and such an amazing testimony with her business as well as her platform in general, talking about healing and all kinds of different things. So I would definitely want her to talk about her therapy story. We're going to deal into all things related to being a superwoman and just always like doing things as a black woman in general. But we're going to really, really dig into her testimony, her story. So sis, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Say hey to everyone and just tell us who you are. Yes. So my name is Tahoya Jackson. I am the founder of Hey Girl Heal, and I am also a mindset coach for today's superwoman. (laughs) So as a mindset coach, I help boss women get out of their own way, drop their cape to get to the next level, right? Because a lot of us are carrying capes that we need to put down. Um, And so a little about me, I am a former overachiever, people pleaser, golden child and a trauma survivor turned mindset coach. I am the mother of two. I have a seven-year-old and a two-year-old. And I recently left my corporate job as an accountant to pursue my business full-time, to make other people's lives better and to help Superwoman save herself. Yes! Come on! Bio! Okay! (laughs) 
Okay, so let's kind of dig into that a little bit. So from what mm-hmm. I remember, I remember when I first joined Jasmine's program, she talked about a girl, and I didn't know it was you then, who had started a journal and actually sold her journal. So it's called Hey Girl Heal. So I want you to kind mm-hmm. of tell us a little bit about that process of starting Hey Girl Heal. Definitely. So when I started Hey Girl Heal, I was recently in a transitional phase in my life. So I was leaving my American dream, uh, which means I broke off my engagement and we were in the process of selling our home. And so at this point in my life, I had made this big decision. And as we talk about Superwoman a little later, it was something I never did before. I had never had the courage to actually stand up for myself and make those types of decisions. So I was proud of myself. And at this time, I was so infatuated with like the new Tahoya, like the one who was free from pain, the, the sexual trauma, the all those things, I was infatuated with the new me, right? And so after people realized that like I was newly single because I ain't make no grandiose posts like everybody else do, I was just like, you know, you'll figure it out. A lot of women messaged me and they were like, oh, I'm so happy for you. And they celebrated me in public. But one thing that I realized that they said is that, you know, I'm happy for you, but I wouldn't have been able to do that. And so they asked me, how did I do it? And so I've always been more infatuated with like the mind and how the mind works. So their response kind of bothered me to the point where I was like, okay, like what's the disconnect? Why is it that women would stay in relationships that no longer serve them anymore? And so I was just basically healing and researching and doing all of these things. And then one day God gave me the phrase, hey, girl, heal. And we know like most of us are like, okay, let me put this on the t-shirt. So that was my initial instinct. I'm like, okay, God, you want me to put this thing on a t-shirt, but God really had more for me. And so about, I would say three or four months later, I was at like literally stressed out working and God woke me up in the middle of the night and was like, led me to the whiteboard. I had a whiteboard in my office at my apartment and I was writing, you know how it feels like magic, like somebody's moving your hand and you're not, you're not moving your own hand. Like that's literally how it was. And when I stepped back that whole full, like, whiteboard was covered with like journal prompts with different exercises with different words and when I stepped back God was like this is everything that you have been using I need you to put it together to help other people and so the way he put it together I was like oh my god I have to be obedient and act on this and so within two weeks I had had the designer create the journal I had all the content together for her and the journal was literally shipped and at my door within like two weeks talk about like obedient (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, but I left that apart. So, to date, we about, I would say, probably three to four thousand ladies have actually purchased the journal or attended some of our programs. We had our Heal and Chill event in January of 2020. And recently, Taraji posted our Hey Girl Heal journal and our shirt on Instagram. Taraji, yeah, Taraji P. Henson. (laughs) You mean Cookie? That's what my granny said. She was like, cookie wearing your shirt. (laughs) Yeah. So like, okay. So you said a couple of things. You said you broke off an engagement. You said that you Mm -hmm. had sexual trauma. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Like where, like, I know that's a whole backstory. So like, sorry, where you want Mm -hmm. to, where did those things start? Yes, girl. So I'll start with the sexual trauma first. That was, let me see, twenty. 2011. There we go. It was 2011, the sexual trauma. I had recently pledged a sorority. I was new to the school and I always wanted to be in that sorority. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna pledge. At that time I had a 4.0 GPA. Um, Long story short, it dropped to a 2.8 by the time I was done pledging. But anyways, um, we had a party and, you know, 
we were there with the, another fraternity and all my sorority sisters were there. And so one rule that they had is like, hey, if somebody gives you a drink in this house, like don't ask what it is. Weird thing. And I was like, what? So me following rules, me being naive, a person like was like, hey, do you want this drink? And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Long story short, it turned into more so like a date rape thing at the party when we finally got to the party because I blacked out. And at that point, I knew what happened, but nobody really believed me. So I suffered in silence for a long time because the person who did it was very, very popular and everyone's favorite. And so nobody was going to believe a girl who's new to the sorority, who is new on campus, right? And so I suffered in silence for, with that one for a very, very long time because I felt like my voice didn't matter because nobody really believed me. And I kind of like went away from the sorority because I was like, nah, I don't think this is the place for me. But that's where it started. I was about, I like about college, 19, 20, 21. And that's when I first was introduced to that and the effects of it and everything like that. And so breaking off my engagement, that was 2017. That happened. Um, We had recently bought a house. We were raising a daughter together. And I realized along my healing journey, I know we'll talk about this a little later, is that I really was and what I really wanted at that point in life. And then I realized that I had kind of attracted what I had from a broken place within me. And so that's when I pivoted and chose my place over partnership. And yeah, I've been going ever since. Yeah. And we're talking about like relationships, especially when you're broken, because Mm -hmm. there's so much, there's a perspective. And I think especially when you're broken, you kind of go into a relationship thinking that this relationship is going to heal this or comfort this, but not really realizing like, yes, I get into the relationship. I can get all the way to marriage and really realizing that that doesn't complete or fix or kind of hide. If anything, it just exacerbates everything, the problems Mm -hmm. that you feel with brokenness. And so what did that look like for you within that relationship? Definitely. So within the relationship, during that time when I honestly got enough courage to break it off, I was reading the book Wholeness by Pastor Teray Roberts. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it really talks about like looking at yourself through a mirror, through a different lens, the way that God sees you, but also looking at the relationships around you, right? Is this where you want to be for the rest of your life? And I had questions about that midway through, but I realized that I was more infatuated with the family aspect because I grew up in a single parent home. So I always desired a family. And so I feel like I place more emphasis on the family as opposed to the relationship because of the brokenness. But what it looked like for me within the relationship is not being supported. I'm a person with very, very big dreams and goals and God has given me a big purpose. And so I felt like I wasn't supported or, hey, you're always doing this or, hey, you're always working or we had spazzed out. We had like different religious beliefs. And so I was like, okay, yeah, no, nah, that's a deal breaker. Like, <laughs> but you know, a lot of times we as women, we stay in things and we think that it's going to get better. But God gave me that push and was like, no, you know, don't settle. You deserve more. And yeah, he's definitely an amazing father to my daughter. But we have to realize that all good people aren't the people that God has for us. Oh, that's good. And even like you said, staying in and thinking that it'll change. Mm-hmm. Thinking that if I, because I know that had been <laughs> child. That had been like one of my thought processes when I was dating Nico. But for mm-hmm. me, because I was broken at the time, I thought that, and I've had to learn that his perspective isn't wrong just because it's my perspective. However, as a woman, I'm like, oh boy, you don't understand that I'm right. 
in all of things. Like you got to understand that I'm right, period, like period, period. But I didn't realize that a lot of that was coming from a broken place. And also it was a lot of projection. And so even with that, learning how to heal has shifted that mindset a little bit to where I can be a little bit more compassionate towards him in a lot of different areas where I wasn't compassionate at first. And so kind of going into like with therapy for you, tell us a little bit about your therapy process and even going into that healing space because leaving that engagement, I'm pretty sure it took a lot, but also emotionally what that looked like for you in stepping into therapy and like what that process looked like. Oh yeah. So I started therapy in 2016 when I realized that like sometimes I was the problem in situations and relationships. And as women, it's very hard for us to actually say that and mean it (laughs) because sometimes we are the problem. And I realized that I was requiring people to walk on eggshells around me so they wouldn't hit my triggers or things I was doing as a person and me having the desire to like show up for the world when I was really faking it, I wasn't feeling good. And I just got tired of that. I got tired of wearing a mask. And so I was like, okay, let me get some help for this thing. So I started therapy and I was in a point in my life where I was in the same relationship that I had broken. I was raising my daughter and I was working in corporate America, but I knew like that God wanted more for me. So within that, probably like the first year or so, we were basically finding the root of my issues, going back to my child, you know, working on things, abandonment issues, trust issues, neglect, all of those different things that stemmed from me being raised in a single parent home, not having my father around, achieving my way out of trauma and so many other things. And then in 2018, I feel like that, I'm not going to say that's when I took therapy serious, but that's when I realized the like full importance of like therapy and like routine visits, not just like going (laughs) every now and then, but having a routine with it. And that's when in 2018. (laughs) When I paused you, said I had to intersect in that little area. You said going routinely, not mm-hmm. going every so often, because there are so many times where I've talked to people and they've started and then either it gets hard or they're not fully invested or they feel like, oh, I'm not really going through nothing right now. Or yeah, you're not going through anything, but you're not fully open as to, you're not fully open to the process. So you only go when it's like, oh my God, there's an emergency instead of the routine mm-hmm. constantly working through like that was where I was at before I really took it seriously. It was just like, oh, this is just here. This is there. But really taking it serious. What was that shift for you like? Like, when did you realize like, oh, my God, if I go and do this, like I can really start seeing change? Yes, definitely. So the shift for me was after I broke off my engagement and it was more so of a self-reflection for me. And it was like, okay. The work that I've done in therapy so far has literally held a mirror up to my face to make me realize who I am as a person, what I desire, what God has for me. And so I want to continue this thing because I know that I'm going to need this type of assistance, this type of conversation at every level of my life. Right. And so I have a small family, so it's really not a lot of people that I can just openly like call and talk to. And plus, like half the time you don't want to talk to your family or friends about what you have going on anyways. Right. And so that's where I found the comfort of therapy and just my therapist working through different strategies that I can implement within my life. And someone's seen it from a different perspective. Um, a lot of times we're surrounded by so many yes people who just cheer us on that they're not like, girl, no, nah, don't, that's toxic. No, girl, it look good, but it ain't good. Like, and so having that type of person in your life really makes it really good for you to just process and navigate your life. And I think me knowing that I had attracted that relationship for my brokenness propelled me to actually 
do more in therapy so that I wouldn't do the same thing or repeat the same cycles again. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you said you found comfort in having Mm -hmm. someone that you didn't know, because the thing about talking to a family is they almost can sometimes be the trigger. Mm -hmm. Exactly. The trauma. Mm -hmm. Big time. And talking to them, you still kind of feel like this uneasiness and or like you have to let your own boundaries down in order to get what you think you need instead of kind of having a person that's looking on the complete outside, looking in and saying, oh no, this is really what it is. This is really what's happening. This is what's really impacting that. And so with that being said, even with kind of leaving that relationship and over time, what were the small changes that you saw throughout that process that led to the bigger picture? Oh yes. So throughout that process, I was able to discover what I really wanted, which allowed me to set boundaries and know like, okay, this is not something that I want. (laughs) So therefore I don't need it in my life. It allowed me to say goodbye to things and people that no longer served me. It allowed me to stand up and be strong, like in my family, because a lot of us grow up in households where it was more of the what happens in this house stays in this house. And we feel like we have no voice. And, you know, oh, well, listen to your parents. Your parents know everything. You know nothing. And so being able to stand as the woman that God has created me to be, I think that was more so the shift for me. But that took a lot of work and communication and basically getting to the root of my issues and doing a time. One of the uh, exercises that I did in therapy that was really enlightening for me was a timeline. And when we actually did the timeline, I realized that there were some things in my life that I had forgotten about, like some negative (laughs) events in my life that I had forced myself to forget about. But once we did the timeline, I was able to see like when these things took place and how they really affected me to the point where I tried my hardest to forget about them. And so I incorporated a timeline into the Hey Girl Hill journal. So we'll have new pages coming out soon. But it's just like an aha moment for me to actually write out my whole life and see the things that have happened to me so that I can pick the things in the process of my actual healing journey. So how did your own process then begin to help you see a lot of other women were struggling with some of the similar things you yourself kind of healed from? Definitely. So I would say it started at home, seeing the women in my family, seeing the women that I was surrounded with and me being more self-aware of myself and my triggers and the, the pains and hurt that I had. I was able to instantly see those in other people uh, based on their actions, based on their emotions, based on their behaviors, because of the things that I had learned in therapy. And so with women, most of it came from social, the women via social media, being able to have them inbox me things that I struggled with after I had my son was postpartum depression. And since I was the face of Hey Girl Hill, it really hurt because I battled with it for a while because I was like, God, you gave me Hey Girl Hill. I can't like sit here and tell these people I'm depressed. And God was like, no, I want you to get on live and I want you to people that you're struggling with postpartum depression. And I did. And I had like an overwhelming amount of women reach out and say, oh, I've experienced this. I'm experiencing this now. And so at that point, they saw me as a person that they could be vulnerable with and share their stories with because they saw that I was human, (laughs) just like them. And I had my own trial 
thousand testimonies as well. And so since then, like I get inboxes literally every day about how the journal has either changed their life or they want to talk about a certain issue or they have a question about how I was able to overcome X, Y, and Z. And so just basically share my story and being transparent with people. And as a speaker, I do tell people that like I share my story with the world so that women and girls can find truth in there. So that's my whole mission when it comes to sharing my stories, not to like, you know, down anybody or make anybody feel bad about what happened to me. It's about it's about giving women that same power that I have when I was able to overcome these things. Yeah, you said a lot of good stuff there. Um, a couple of things I wanted to point out. You said from mm-hmm. you healing yourself, you were then able to see some of the things that other people were struggling with, which I think is mm-hmm. so good because I think it just empowers you to have more compassion, but also be able to be at a place where it's like, I'm aware that there's a problem Mm -hmm. and I know that there's a way that I could help. But the other thing, which I think is so interesting, it's so interesting you said that. And I was like, dang, I want to pull that. You said, almost like God said, in your space of having influence or your spirit of even having influence or even having a platform, you having to then come back to a vulnerable state to go back and now share even more depth of who you are. And it's so crazy how like he be like, okay, you got to share this. And I'm like, but but people are listening to me. (laughs) It's like, I don't want (laughs) to share these negative parts of me. Why you got me looking crazy, you know what I'm saying? But I think for you, what was that like to just kind of, because I always say this, I say this all the time. Healing still bears fruit. And mm-hmm. yeah. we kind of put it in our mind just because we're doing something or we may speak or do something of that nature that our own experience still doesn't have a weight to it. Like our experience holds weight for other people and they become very much so in awe of us being transparent and almost the evolution of your growth. And so for you, with then going to share that, what was it like for you to humbly just kind of put that to the side to say, I don't really care about the things I've done. This is where I'm currently at. What was that like for you to share that? As the founder of Hey Girl Hill and providing a safe space for women, me opening up about what I was going through provided a safe space for me within them. Like when I was providing a safe space for them, Me opening my mouth provided a safe space for me. Although I had spaces, it felt like I was safe with them because they trusted me with like what they were going through with where they were in life. And they saw me as a human being, like I said earlier, because a lot of times with influencers and the CEOs and leaders of corporations, we see them as just like this high person who really doesn't have any feelings. They just here to make money or they're just here to, you know, basically uh, lead us around or point us in a certain direction. But I was able to feel... (laughs) safe and also feel supported as well by actually sharing this because I struggled with it for a while and just to know like you know how we assume like oh my god like people are going to think I'm crazy because I'm depressed or they're going to think I'm not capable of running hey girl here like all of these scenarios we play in our mind none of that happened (laughs) and I was like oh okay so this is how this works (laughs) right exactly so with that being said like going to some of the things now you kind of have shifted to help women with what are some of the common problems you see that women who are really struggling with just like people pleasing and overachievement mm-hmm. and perfectionism. Ooh, ooh, child, we can go there for days. Just like, yes. what are some of the common things you see that some of the women that you help struggle with? 
You touched on a few of them. I would say hyper-independence. I recently did a live on that one about how hyper-independence is a trauma response from constantly being let down. And so hyper-independence, people pleasing, basically, we're so keen on putting the needs of others before our own perfectionism. We always want to have it all together, like even though we don't. And even when we live in this social media generation, we compare our life to a lot of people because our definition of perfect does not look like what they have, even though we are all imperfect people. And one thing that I learned when I was thinking about comparison is that by comparing your lives to other people, what you're telling God is that what he's blessed you with isn't enough. And so that has been my mindset about comparing my life because yes, as a single mom, not being married, a lot of times, many years ago, I used to look at other couples looking like, oh my God, like, when am I going to get this? When am I going to get that? And so I have to constantly remind myself that, okay, so you pray for where you are now. And by you comparing your life to those people over there, you're showing God that what you have is not enough. And so that's one of the things that I always put myself in remembrance of. But the last common problem that they have is unresolved trauma, right? So she knows what it's like to be hurt. And so therefore, she spends her whole life making sure that no one else feels that same pain and hurt that she felt. So whether that's her showing up for people and neglecting herself in the process, or maybe that's her taking in men and being their mom. Like, I, I don't know. That's how it looks because she's been hurt at one point in her life. And so she doesn't want the same hurt or pain for anyone else. And so those are a few. And so definitely with the characteristics of being strong, of being silent, of being stuck, of being successful, a lot of us think success is a good thing, which it really is. But when it comes to being the trailblazer in our family and the family favorite and the family meal ticket, we have a lot of weight on our shoulders when it comes to that success that we have. And a lot of us aren't really successful. We're just basically sustained at this time. And so that's some of the things that the women that I help struggle with. And so they think that like bubble baths and self-care and women like literally fix their issues. I mean, it can for, you know, a certain amount of time, but it's not a time issue or a productivity issue. It's basically a capacity issue. They don't have the capacity to take on anything else because the weight of the world is literally on their shoulders with this superwoman cape on. So they have these big dreams and goals, but like they literally can't accomplish anything until they take this cape off. Do you struggle with being consistent with God or have you fallen off your routine and really need to get back on to spending quality time with God daily? Do you find that when you actually do sit down with God, you don't really know where to start, what to read, and you really don't know how to make your routine work best for you? Well, you absolutely need the Time with God course. So let me tell you all about it, sis. In this course, I discuss with you how you can actually spend time with God and study the Bible. In the first class, I teach you all the tools you need, how you can look at time with God as a benefit and not a duty or a chore, or even feel bad when you don't spend time with God. And I even give you some strategies on how you can spend quality time with him where you actually feel like you're building a relationship with him. In the second video, I share with you how to actually study the Bible. I give you over 11 different ways to read the Bible so that you can switch up your time with the Lord. Switch up your time with God and learn a fresh way on how to spend time with him. And if you purchase this course, you get the Time with God ebook absolutely free. In this ebook, I have over 23 different devotionals that you can take part in on the Bible app, 21 different Christian books, 31 of my favorite sermons, and two worship playlists. So you can never say you don't have anything to do in your time with God. Remember, when you purchase the course, you get this ebook absolutely free. So go to risingrenee.com backslash time with God 
or go to the link in the description. Again, that's Rosa Renee backslash time with God or go to the link into the description. Now let's get back to the show. You touched on a couple stuff that I really would love for you to kind of delve into a little bit more. You talked about mm-hmm. hyper-independence. I've never heard it be described in that way, but I understand what hyper-independence is. It's almost looked at as like a strength. And mm-hmm. it's almost yeah. even looked at like, because I'm independent and I've done it this way myself on my own, that nothing or nobody you almost become possessive of it. You take possession of it and see it more as, I won't even say a chip on your shoulder, but just more of a, I've done this. There's nothing anybody Mm -hmm. can tell. More of a badge of honor. Yeah, like a badge of honor. And so like Mm -hmm. what happens with that, and I think it becomes, like you described, the central point of identity that then there's a satisfaction and also a validation that I am this way in just a very practical way, how can that be emotionally draining? Let's just touch that. How can that be really, really emotionally draining for some women? Oh, yes. So we're taught as Black women to, um, depending on your household, but majority of us are, I don't want to put anybody in a bucket, but we are taught that we can't depend on anybody for anything because people will always let you down. And so that is the mindset that we adapt going through life. They're like, okay, nobody's going to show up for me. So I need to do this all on my own. Or there may be in life where you're pushed into a role. So example of being a single mom, you're pushed into a role where you have to take care of everything, or you push into a leadership position at work and you don't have the experience, right? Different things that happen in your life. You have to get it all done, right? But Growing up, I saw women like carrying the load of everyone around them in their load, but they were smiling and complaining about it later. And I was like, okay, that's not for me. And so is it that this can actually show up is basically doing everything on your own because you feel that things won't be done the right way. Like not allowing people to help you because, oh, my way is the best way. I don't want anybody to mess this up. And so you take control over this thing that somebody else could be helping you with as well. And so one thing that we do as people when it comes to being overly independent or too independent is that we run the good people the way. Toya laughing because I just literally had like one of my moments where I just be like, oh, that was so good. Girl, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> because my bad. Girl, when I get really excited or I hear something really good, I'm just like, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Let me talk on that for a second. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's almost like a response that this is wrong. It's kind of like one of those things where, and I give this very like basic example because this is the only frame of reference I can think of with this. I remember when I was like 11 or 12 years old, you see other people dress a certain way in high school. You mm-hmm. see other people dress a certain way. I remember when back in the day was this the boots with the fire child. Everybody had the boots with the fire. Everybody had the Ugg boots, baby. We was all up in high school wearing Ugg boots. I don't know why I had Walmart Ugg boots, but baby, I had Walmart Ugg boots. But that's just the way it was. Okay, now that was probably not the style. That was probably cute. But I remember my mom took me to this like expensive store that sold like juniors and women's clothes. Mm-hmm. These are expensive clothes. Like the shirt probably itself was like $50. Why my mama bought me a $50 shirt? Maybe she had the money, but that's a whole nother story. So she puts this on me and I'm literally looking at this shirt and this outfit. Like this is so repulsive. Why would you put this on? I don't even know where I got repulsive from, but why would you put this on me? Why? This is so ugly. I don't understand. 
but I'm not understanding how expensive this shirt is, how mm-hmm. valuable this shirt probably is to a whole nother person because all I want to wear is the boots with the fur. Because that's what I've seen. That's my only frame of reference. That's what I see popular people wear. That's what I see. So I'm used to another lens of something that may not be valuable, cute, all this kind of stuff. But in Mm -hmm. somebody else's eyes, it's value. And so you almost reject it because you think that's the only frame of reference I can think of when you like think of something that's Mm -hmm. comes your way, that's expensive, that's valuable. You reject it immediately because you're not used to it. You're not used to seeing it to where now, now I would probably go into a store as an adult because I have a lot more reason and understanding to wear something like that. I don't know if you'd be walking around here with boots with fire. Now I would wear something cute. Like I like you hear the song. But boots with the fur. I promise you, baby. Send me off somewhere with some baby fat. I promise you, I would have wore it back in the day. But when somebody's trying to put something expensive and nice on you, you're not going to mm-hmm. catch me with no boots with the fur and baby fat on now. Now I would probably wear that fifty dollars shirt. And so with running good people off, you're so used to toxicity. You don't even have the awareness that this is good for you. You don't even have the awareness that this is more poised and put together and made better for you because you're so used to a frame of reference that may not be. Now, if I see somebody that's 30 years old, that's wearing boots with the fur and apple bottom jeans, I'm going to look at them like they're crazy. I'm going to be like, where is this, this ghettoness? My God. Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? But like... <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking like, you know, that's the way we push off good mm-hmm. people who genuinely desire to, even in business, and I'm going on a small tangent, but like even in business, there are people that are really desire to serve and help me. But it's like, mm-hmm. what do I even do with this? Like, I don't, I've never had this before. I've never had this like level of support with people who genuinely were like, give it to me, take, let me take this off your hands. It's almost like, I don't know what to do. So there's two sizes of never seeing it done. So you have no idea how to handle it. You don't have the capacity like you described. But then there's a other thing of this high level of rejection because you almost push it off because you're like, that ain't cute. Okay, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. talk about that. Yeah, so a lot of us have been let down, especially when it comes to hyper-independence or being too independent. Many people have been let down or constantly let down at a point in their life where they feel that the new people and the good people that are coming, oh, they're going to do me the same way that X, Y, and Z did. So that stems with trust issues as well, because we don't trust the new people to come into our lives and actually show up for us because the last people let us down, right? So we run them good people off because we just want to be strong and we just want to keep doing our own over here when God has actually sent us the people we've been praying for to help us. But the help doesn't look like we imagined it too. So we pushing the help away. And another thing that we also do, I mean, other, you know, when people have hyper independence is they turn down the help. You mentioned business. So they turn down the help. They don't delegate. They have dreams and desires to run these billion dollar companies, but they want to do it all on their own because they don't trust anybody else to help them. Right. They're too independent to get help, too independent to hire anybody, too independent to ask if they have a question. Uh, And so that really doesn't work when it comes to business. If you're going to scale up now, it does work on the solopreneur level. But if you're going to like up in your business. Or within your job, if you're going to be promoted, you got to listen to people. You you can't do it all on your own. You're going to have to, you know, manage a team or have a team. And so a lot of that shows up in various situations when it comes to business, when it comes to your career on a professional level. And one last thing with that, kind of not to keep going, but women, 
with this independent, they show up as the leader in relationships. Oh, <laughs> hit us where it hurts, sis. Hit us where it like hits no, your heart. You know what I'm saying? Hit us. And the reason why I relate to this is because this was me like forever. I'm like, uh-uh, I got this. I got. I'm gonna control this. But that's not the way that God intended for these relationships to be. But we have all this masculine energy because we so strong and we doing it on our own. And so when somebody else comes in to help us, that we supposed to take a step back and let lead us. We have a hard time with that. And so that's one of the areas of how it can show up as well. Let me just give a little bit of lifting for y'all, okay? Because Roslyn used to be one of them people, child, okay? And she small little times, you know, she'd be trying to rev up, but then I'd be really having to get my family. There are a lot of times, especially I've noticed as a parent now, because when it was just me and Nico, baby, we was, you know, Roslyn could say a thing, he'd be like, the wife has influence. I don't mm-hmm. care what anybody says. The wife, the girlfriend, whatever. We have a high level of influence on the man. It just is. When you start rubbing that shoulder, baby, and that arm, it's almost like I could ask that man for something. He just be like, that you if you want to. We have influence. However, when that tall chocolate chunky man says we're not doing that I immediately be like okay why because there is a certain level of respect men operate highly on respect but we as women think we know it all and this is where Eve when she went off and did whatever you know what I'm saying that's why we out here <laughs> we still that, paying for Eve. that we desire and so that hyper independent can even be taken advantage of if it's not controlled because even though I'm highly ambitious I'm highly a go-getter. However, I cannot do everything. And even to think that I can Mm -hmm. do everything, it becomes this weight-bearing situation where, again, like I told you, like I said, it becomes a badge of honor. But also to really what I've also understood with the high-level achieving woman is too, there's a huge part of them that does not even know that this is an issue because mm-hmm. this is all we've been taught. So even as we're talking about this, y'all are like, oh my God, yes, oh my God, yes, oh my God, yes. But there's a huge part of you that's like, I didn't even know that this was an issue or I didn't even know this was a problem. Or women in my program, when we talk about rest, they're like, they've never heard rest described in the way that I've described it. And so even practically, where you're like, well, how do I begin to start shedding this, delegating things of that nature is you just have to try. You just have mm-hmm. to like say, I'm going to Instacart. Yes, you're going to pay three or four more dollars. But would you rather pay three or four more dollars or have three or four hours taken away from you? Would you rather have these things be done for you by somebody else, even if it's not right and you just give yourself the time to do them and or have somebody else do them or teach them how to do it, then do it. But also sometimes you really just have to understand that investing in someone teaching you this collapses your time. Like I always said, I've heard this from Marshawn Evans Daniels and I will take this with me forever. My gifts collapse time for people. All the years to Hoya's talking about the healing process and all of this and actually had to understand this hyper-independence. What she even gives, this little, little 30 minutes that we talking about is collapsing time but y'all don't have to spend in therapy trying to figure this out on your own. Every time I'm talking about worthiness, or every time I'm talking, I'm talking about like why healing is a central part to, I'm taking time and frustration off of you trying to figure it out on your own 
that sometimes you have to make investments into things mm-hmm. to understand that it collapses time. And baby, listen, I'm gladly going to play Instacart today to come bring me my coffee because I don't have the time to go to the store. And I'm going to pay that three or $4 when I click this button to pay for me to get my coffee sent to my door while I'm doing other stuff. And so it just takes those small steps of that. But also sometimes, again, you need somebody to show you this. So and going to that perspective too, we're talking about the superwoman cape. How can some women even begin to work on overcoming that process or overcoming that, all these things that you've discussed? So the first step, like you just talked about the high achieving women, is to acknowledge that you actually have the cape on. And then next, you would find the root of that. Like where in my life, like what experience or what person led me to believe that I had to be superwoman? And so that was my step in my process. And it was my mom. Like she was a single super mom. It was her raising me on my own. And that's where I inhabited this independent, where I inhabited this people pleasing because, you know, ain't nobody going to show up for you. They're going to let you down. So you got to do, you know, everything on your own. And then the people pleasing. Oh, we're nurturers. We're women. We got to show up for everybody. So different things we were taught throughout life. I would say the first step is to acknowledge you have the cape. And then second is to actually find the root, like led you to feel feeling like and acting like superwoman, right? And so another thing is asking yourself, like, why do I feel like I have to do it all? Or why do I have to have it all together? Like, why? Like, what is the all that I, we ask that in Saving Superwoman? What is the all that you have to have together? Because we all trying to have it all together for who? And we're all trying to please they, and I have never seen they a day in my life. But one thing for women is setting boundaries. Now, setting firm boundaries that you stick to. And when I say that, a lot of us, we get these new cars. Uh-uh, I ain't going to be eating in the car. The kids ain't going to be eating in the car. Like in three months, we, we hand them Cheetos to the back. No, like setting boundaries that you actually stick to um, when it comes to your life. And that's being able to identify like what works for you and what doesn't. Who is in your life that needs to be there and who doesn't. And being able to set those firm boundaries with them. Another thing is open to receive a question too with that because i think there's a thing where i've heard before guilt and shame Mm -hmm. with both guilt being i feel bad this is bad i should not be saying that and i have felt that so much within my own journey especially when it came to putting boundaries up with family members and even just like Mm -hmm. just in general people that i love because there's a feeling of this is bad it's wrong shouldn't be doing this. I'm not acting godly. That was a huge one, child. Just, I'm not right. That's one. I'm wrong. But then shame of, I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't have to do this. This shouldn't have to be this way. Why does this have to be like this way? So there's this heavy balance of even when you put boundaries in place, even putting boundaries at work that are necessary for you. And then there's also a feeling of loss with putting up boundaries because then you lose the routine you lose. Like I know for one, like there were times where I was like, I don't want to gossip with my friends on uh, talking about this. And I know you like probably can go to a whole spiel about, about this, but just because it was just such a negativity. But also with that being said, the loss of the routine of I have to choose health over what feels good, but it's going to be detrimental later. So talk about like within even putting boundaries in place, the guilt, shame, and also the loss piece, because that's a huge one for people. Okay, so I'll touch on guilt first. With the guilt, one of the things that I, mindset shifts that I had was 
that when you are saying no to other people, you are making the space to say yes for yourself. I gotta say this. It takes occupancy. It takes up occupancy mm-hmm. for you to say yes to everybody. You're taking mm-hmm. up space. You are hoarding in my life. Then when I say no to you, I'm saying yes to me, which is literally like giving you all your stuff back. Okay, I'm going mm-hmm. on mute because that was too good. I just had to say it. And so, like you said, those people who are meant to be in your life, those people who love you and support you, those people are going to respect your boundaries, right? Now, at the beginning, they may have something to say about because I've got a lot of those, oh, well, you acting funny, you doing this, and you have to explain it to them. No, this is just basically protecting my, this is for me, this is how my life is flowing. And if you don't want to flow, you can go and flow the other way. It is that simple. And so with the shame, I think that's kind of tied in with the guilt of just knowing that as you're saying no to other people, you're saying yes to yourself. As you are standing up for yourself, right? You shouldn't feel the shame. The shame will eventually go away as you continuously stand up for yourself, right? Stand up for yourself and so that you can stand out in what God has called you to do. Women, we're more passive when it comes to communication. And so within Saving Superwoman Academy, we teach women how to be assertive when they communicate because it's definitely needed. And so that releases that shame as well. And when it comes to the loss that you just spoke about, I kind of shift my mind to what are you gaining? Right. You may you may be losing, you know, your schedule or losing time or whatever it is at that time. But what are you gaining in the process? So me stand up all night last night to like one o'clock in the morning. I was gaining (laughs) more leads for my business by me staying up for this time. So you saying no to people or you having these boundaries where, oh, no, I don't have the capacity to do that. And you actually saying that and communicating that. What are you gaining from that? That's definitely the mindset shifting question to ask. And so I think, like you described, especially the last part with the gaining piece, that again goes back to addressing that you have an issue. Because again, it's fun in the minute. It's fun in the beginning. But after so much time, you realize I can't and can no longer do this. It almost gets to the point where it's just like when people call you, you like, I just can't pick up the call for you. Like, it's just going to be, it's going to be toxic. And that becomes, again, y'all know the feeling since you get irritated in your spirit, you get tired. You're like, we're talking about stuff in the same circle, sis. Like, I just don't have time. Like, I when you start telling yourself, I don't have time for this, that's when you should know. That's the indicator. That's the red flag. That's the Carfax. That's the all the stuff. That's the, that's it to just say like, hey, this is not for me. And so if you're the people to feel those things, again, like you don't want to be in the negative space anymore. And so absolutely like in understanding this, I think you described a bunch of stuff that is super, super good. So even with women kind of working through this or beginning to work through this, why don't you tell them a little bit about your program and kind of what you do in that program as well? So Saving Superwoman Academy, the name is so befitting <laughs> to what we're talking about. But Saving Superwoman Academy, we take the ladies on a four-step detox plan. So we detox from doing it all, from having it all together, from trying to show up perfect in every situation and scenario. So what we talk about within that, we go through our CAPE curriculum. We start off with your character, right? Who are you? 
how did you get here? Where did you get this cape from and addressing those issues? And then A, we get into alignment, right? Who God has called you to be? Because what I see with a lot of women who come into Saving Superwoman Academy is that they are operating as who they were taught to be as opposed to who they were created to be. So we take the journey from who you were taught to be, right? Who Superwoman and your mom and society taught you to be so that you can actually unlearn these things to become who you were actually created to be. And so P is we get our power back right? We lost our power along the way in some type of form, shape, or fashion, whether that's, you know, somebody violating us, whether that's a negative experience in our life, or just us being a mom and trying to adapt to motherhood without a manual. Uh, At some point in our life, we've lost some type of power. So we definitely work on getting that back. And then E is elevation. What is it that you desire to do? What dreams have you put on the back burner? We work through those things and actually create a plan um, that you can actually go through action-wise and actually get those things done and actually implement. And so within that, we basically have women show up for themselves the way that they do for other people. And that starts with dropping the cape and realizing you got the cape on (laughs) so that you can just basically become who you were created to be by unlearning those things and releasing the weight of the world from your shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, so good. Hey, sis, are you currently in therapy? Then let me tell you about an amazing tool that I created and have been using since I started therapy three and a half years ago. It's called the Therapy Reflection Journal. Have you ever finished a therapy session and thought, girl, what did we talk about? Or a couple of days later, like, gosh, that was such a good point and I don't remember it. Or maybe you want a journal where you can reflect on what you and your therapist discussed to dig deeper into your mental health and really, really, really work on what you and her talked about. Well, I absolutely got you covered since you definitely need the Therapy Reflection journal. This journal was designed for those of you that are in therapy that want to take notes during your session, write down homework, and it even has reflection pages for you to dig deeper following your sessions. It's basically your therapy journal to track your entire experience. I found that when I was going to therapy, I always would take a blank journal with me. And when my therapist would ask, okay, so how did you um, reflect on last session? I would be flipping through my journal, like, where did I write that down? Where did I write that down? And I wanted to create a structured journal to keep up with all of those sessions, all of those notes, reflections, all in one. I still use mine to this day, literally. And I even refer back to it when I'm looking for different things. You can start using it today, even if you've been in therapy. So... Go ahead and grab your copy by going to rosalrenee.com backslash journal or go to the link in the show notes. I can't wait for you to use it. The Therapy Reflection Journal is your reflection journal for your therapy experience. Now, let's get back to the show. How can people sign up if they were interested? Yeah, so it's at tahoyajackson.com backslash SSA 2021. So yes. But I'm also on IG, y'all. So it's the link in my bio. I know y'all hear that a lot. <laughs> but it's the link in my bio. I'm on Instagram at Tahoya Talks. T-A-H-A-U-Y-A-T-A-L-K-S. I have so all this information in the show notes mm-hmm. for y'all. But I'm going to tell you now, Tahoya, like, will go in, baby. Okay, she really be talking. And she really, really do be talking that okay so I just want y'all to be aware like you're not just hearing this in the sense of just hearing it from somebody who doesn't not do it or is not living it like she really really is about that so I definitely recommend you check her out and thank you sis this was such a great conversation it really was really really good so thank you for sharing this and I love y'all and we will talk next week bye What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? 
These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.